0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 55, which begins with Thor casually announcing his plans to fly and ends with S.H.I.E.L.D. realizing that they have a perimeter breach. Uh, joining us today, unfortunately, this is the last day we have with him, is Scott Corelli, founder of the Dueling Genre Podcast Network and host of Franchiseography. Um, Scott, it's been so awesome having you this week. I'm kind of curious, what's your overall sense of these five minutes we've been looking at?
1: Uh, it really runs the gamut, uh, I think. You get the, we get the comedy, we get the Asgard stuff, we got some rom-com stuff, and now we're getting some action. So uh, it's really, it's really going uh, going all over the place. It's a real uh,
0: a moosh boosh of Thor. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Go ahead and describe it. Well, we'll get into that amuse-bouche in just one moment. Have you ever heard of Patreon? Well,
2: like so many podcasters out there, we are fans of their site. And we find it to be just a great platform for all of our fans to support us by becoming patrons. Well, we have now upgraded our site to Patreon's Memberful platform, which allows us to actually build our patron support platform right into our own site. So if you've been thinking about becoming a patron to show your love for the show, but you weren't sure about it as you can't find us on Patreon, just know that we are, in fact, using their platform. You can learn more about it at Memberful.com. They make it so, so easy. Just visit truestory.fm slash minute and you can find out what we offer to our patrons. It's only $5 a month. And you can even get a discount if you join at the annual rate. Thanks.
0: All right, so now we get the second half of the joke. You know, in some ways, I kind of like that she says, you know, are you just going to go walk right out with it? And he just says, no. But of course, the last half (laughs) is, I'm going to fly out. And, And again, this is just such a great dynamic between both of them, because he doesn't wait for her to react. And he just says that and walks away. And she has this great moment of just, once again, like she keeps thinking she hasn't figured out and he keeps surprising her. What I love about
1: it, too, is just like, <laughs> you know, this whole movie is all about Thor, like saying things and and Jane being like, what? What did he just say? You know, like that kind of vibe. And but I, I love the way that Chris Hemsworth plays it. And I'm sure Kenneth Brana also directed him this way, but I I love the fact that like it feels a little bit like Thor's just like and now I'm going to say the cool line and like you know where he's just like no I'm going to fly out and you and if you held on his face when he walked away he would
0: be like yeah that's right I just said it you know <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah Thor is definitely the guy who walks coolly away from explosions if you've seen that video yes, on the internet ever definitely
2: oh yeah we talked about that plenty in Iron Man oh I'm there, sure so we have another that- there yeah
0: uh, okay so then we get a shot that i i refer to as the reverse god's eye shot or perhaps the mjolnir's eye view uh but i've been told by andy that it's actually called a worm's eye view uh but yeah it's kind of like because now we're looking not down but we're looking basically what mjolnir would be seeing of looking straight up and into the rain starting to come down
2: right exactly yeah this is that moment to, uh, to i mean this is just letting us know hey it's raining now there's thunder there's lightning the god of thunder is approaching
0: mm-hmm. very very frightening um. yeah and so that was I guess, kind of the next question is going to be is could, the reason I keep going back to this question of what how much of this is Thor causing it is we saw that Thor has lost so much of his power he, he's not the super fighter he used to be. He's now, you know, he can get tased when he used to be a giant throwing him across a field of ice didn't really bother him. Um, I was wondering how much of it is Thor's presence that's causing all this interference. And they, they do say during the scene that it, it, there's more interference. I, I forget the exact words, but it's saying that, like, uh, it, it's been doing this a lot. And so to me, what that said is that most of this is just coming from Mjolnir, whether Thor's nearby or not. Is that, that the sense you got?
2: I don't know. I, I feel like there's an element of the two of them coming together. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, sure, when all the townies were playing around with it, trying to pull it out, there probably wasn't a lot of tech that they were checking to see if, if their phones were working or not. Uh, but also, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been here for at least half a day, kind of doing all the setup, and it only seems like right now they're getting all this interference. Like, I mean, they don't say that it's ha- been happening all day, but my my feel of the way that they're all acting is suddenly there's all this interference that is happening. And that, that's just the way that I'm reading it.
1: Yeah, it, de- it definitely feels like a culmination to me of like Thor and Mjolnir coming together, causing the weather and also causing all of this like technical interference.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I found the line, it's, it's all the interference that thing is giving off. And that's what made me think it's been giving off some for a while. But I think you're right. It's probably getting worse and worse now.
2: Well, and I, I, it also feels like it's coming with the storm because the, the, the start of that line, which I, I just I find so intriguing, sir, feed from the keyhole can barely penetrate the cloud cover. So it makes me feel like, you know, there must be some I, I'm assuming the keyhole is like this central column here that they've built around Mjolnir.
0: I think Keyhole satellite is the name of like one of the satellites that the government uses for um oh, okay. governmental well, spying stuff. So I think that's what they're referring gotcha.
2: to. So but all of a sudden it seems like there's this big cloud cover that's kind of come in, you know, I it, it seems pretty sudden. Well, yeah. I mean, let's I mean, it wasn't that long ago when we were watching Jane and Thor driving with a beautiful New Mexico sunset, <laughs> clear skies except for one little tiny cloud. So I, I guess, yeah, this this is all coming in rather quickly.
0: And so then we get what is not necessarily a huge moment for this movie, but I think knowing, you know, now a very big moment for the rest of the MCU for quite a while, Agent Jasper Sitwell, who, of course— um, Forgive me spoilers for things that are eight or ten years old. Uh, we're going to find out is a pretty important part, not only of S.H.I.E.L.D., but is one of the lead people in terms of the HYDRA takeover of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, what, what's it like for you all seeing him again now that we know all the things that are going to happen with his character? I think it's really interesting that every shot of
1: him in this minute, at least. And I, I, I'm going to tell you the guys this and I want you to I want you to track it the rest of the movie but uh but uh every shot of him at least in this minute is a dutch angle which i think is a really interesting choice considering what we know about him in the future
2: not only that but he all he never looks happy so i'm just like does he do we ever get good like happy moments of sitwell or is he always kind of like you know very serious and grumpy looking because he sure seems that way here
1: i mean the closest to happy i think is like panicked I think that's the the most like emotion that we get from him uh typically. He's an
2: interesting uh character and it's it's fun to kind of just see this this origin of him because again, I, what I really enjoy about going through these um films in the MCU is that these characters pop up like him, like Darcy, like Eric who end up be you can follow the thread of them through these other projects and mm-hmm. and sit well Certainly, like when I watched this film, I didn't expect that, oh, he's a character who I'm going to get to see more of as the as kind of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe continues evolving. But but we did. And it's, it's great.
0: And the, the all Dutch angles thing is fascinating because, yeah, it's hard to imagine that this far back they already were thinking that Hydra is going to take over S.H.I.E.L.D., and he might be a leader of it, right. especially because. Uh, The character does appear in the comics. He uh, was first introduced in Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a feature in the Marvel Comics Strange Tales uh, number 144, which is from May 1966. So this is a character who's been in, you know, not a huge part of Marvel Comics, but a character in Marvel and was always just a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent uh, going all that way back. But it is kind of fun to kind of think about when did they first start to think he was going to be, um, you know, the Hydra person. Because now I want to look for that Dutch Angles thing you pointed out. One thing I'm noticing is, we were talking earlier about how in this movie, S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of flexing its muscles a lot more than it has up to this point in the MCU. But we still always have Colson as the the velvet glove over that iron fist, who's very friendly and thank you for cooperation. This is the first time we get a named, speaking role S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who has a very different perspective. You know he is not the super nice guy. He is all business. Like if you want, kind of like imposing, scary government agent man. Like you don't get Coulson, you get Sitwell. Right. Well, I was gonna, yeah. Just, just in general,
1: you know, like Shield is not a heroic agency this early in the it, it early in the MCU. And it's interesting too because I just realized like when are they treated heroic really because right off the right off of avengers you get the you get the the you know winter soldier and and all of the ramifications of what happens there so it it is interesting that like you know early on here they're like yeah it's like a shady government uh, agency and we're not really sure what they do and then we learn that you know that shield sort of comes out of Um, things in, uh, in the first Avenger and then, uh, you know, building toward the Avengers. But it's, it is interesting that here, the choice to put Sitwell in Dutch angles is probably in the context of the making of this movie. It's probably just like, well, it's a shady government organization and this guy is a part of it and we want it to feel sort of vaguely threatening so we're gonna put this guy in dutch angles and then you know at some point i think i bet someone was like well you know in thor we only shot this guy in dutch angles so maybe we could just say that he was a bad guy the whole time
0: (laughs) 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 The,
2: the only the only thing that i would say that potentially would would Break that is just the fact that So much of this movie is in Dutch angles yeah. It's like yeah. what character wasn't Shot with Dutch it's angles true. here Very true.
0: <laughs>
2: But still I'm curious to see like as, as We follow the Sitwell thread how often do Dutch angles follow?
0: And certainly even way, it, 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 it to me, it makes Coulson's character really stand out all that much more just because of the contrast. I, I also just want to say on that um, it's kind of a tangent, but what you were saying about how we don't ever really see S.H.I.E.L.D. as terribly heroic, one of the things that I love so much about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, and I know, Andy, you haven't seen all of it, so I'm not going to spoil anything, just kind of general theme of it, is that so much of it seems to be about... Colson, having come to terms with the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. was never what he thought it was, trying to rebuild it into what it always should have been, you know, and kind of like, it never really was the heroic thing that he believed in, but maybe he can build it to be that, like, I'm going to build it to the ideals always claimed if it never stuck to them. Well, and so obviously, uh, not only do we get the uh, characters, because we got a great actor who is going to be in a number of these things. Uh, Maximiliano Hernandez, who is uh, from New York City. So I have a particular love of uh, where he's coming from. That's my hometown as well. He's Honduran of descent. Uh, And Andy, uh, I think we have a genuine IMDb game possibility here. We
2: just might, although I'll be (laughs) this is going to be an interesting one to see uh, how many films of his might just be (laughs) films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I guess we'll see. Uh, so if you had to guess uh, for IMDb, you know, what are, what are the four films that IMDb says Maximiliano Hernandez is known for? What would you two
1: say? This, I assume, uh, Winter Soldier. And is he in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like early on, like in season one? He is, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe
2: he he pops up in Agent or in season five. Although that might just be the flashback,
1: yeah. So then I would say, I guess I would say Agents of Shield. But I don't know what the fourth thing would be.
0: Part of why I invited this game is for the first time in a long time, I actually know one of the others. Um, I I, part of why I recognize him as well is he later popped up as an FBI agent, I think, or some kind of government agent again. I believe in the TV show The Americans. Uh, which is a great show about the kind of Russian spies in America. I think it was him, certainly. Um, But yeah, beyond that, I don't know if he's ever did anything beyond that in the MCU. Uh, Well, uh,
2: you got one. (laughs) (laughs) That was Captain America, the Winter Soldier. That is the one he's most known for, probably because of the big turn in that particular film. The second one is actually Avengers Endgame, and probably because we get that scene playing again to great comedic effect. Um, then the the third film is actually Sicario, uh, mm. Denis Villeneuve's uh, fantastic uh, border film. And then the last one is the film Warrior, the uh, boxing film. So, yeah, he has a couple things in there that are not MCU films, and they're neither of the uh, TV properties you okay. mentioned.
0: So, yeah, uh, looking at his page, I do see on Wikipedia he was FBI agent Chris Amador in the first season of The Americans. So. I have a little vindication there, but yeah, obviously not a, as big a part of his career as it was to me.
2: <laughs> sure, sure, sure.
0: Um, so, okay, so moving beyond, we 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 hear about the satellite and all this interference uh, and the problems that they're having there. One thing also is that, I guess this is still on the Sitwell uh, topic, in the script, there's much more of the techie kind of joking around, like he wants to, you know, he's making just all these different jokes about what's happening, and Sitwell just has no time for it. And it... Most of you've talked about how there was a lot of kind of slapstick around the Warriors three that we were pretty happy to see cut. I, I feel like this is another one of those moments where I'm, I, I feel like it works much better to just have this like very imposing governmental thing. And if you have people joking around, just that energy is not going to land at all.
2: Yeah. I don't think giving the, um, anyone from shield really that sort of sense of humor helps them out. You know, I, I, I think that it needs to feel like these people are just this imposing force, of i mean almost like the uh, the agents in the matrix right it's just this kind of wall of people in black suits that you don't want to mess with
1: yeah yeah or like something from the x files yeah (laughs) yeah
2: right exactly probably makes a lot more sense yeah
1: especially especially this this early on in the mcu i think i think uh the choice to sort of uh uh take take the wind out of their sails in the avengers i think is a really good choice because at that point you're like sort of merging the two you're like showing the characters sort of like the backstage of all of this um and so then at that point it's like yeah okay now we can humanize them a little bit more but here in in thor
0: i think you're i think you're spot on i think that's that's exactly what they are trying to do you know especially because we've we've been talking about this in in the iron man movies they're either there to help or maybe they're there to kind of keep you know, to help rein in Tony somewhat. But they're still not, like, they're still there to help things move along. In this movie, they're kind of antagonists, at least at this point. So it's a nice change. We then get what I'm now going to refer to as the Easter egg that wasn't. This is one of my favorite, like, things we figure out by diving deep. Because they mention, they're very specific. They, they, they don't just say a flight's overhead. They say Southwest Flight 5434. And so as I assume a lot of other people have done, I googled Southwest Flight 5434 and Thor and did eight or ten different uh, Google searches on this. And I found a number of Reddit threads of people asking, what does this mean? It has to be an Easter egg, right? And there's nothing. And as far as I can tell, they put it in just to have some specificity or maybe because Southwest Airlines, like it's some product placement because we're all talking about Southwest Airlines. But it, it was just kind of fun to me when people think about all these things that are always so placed. This one seems to be just a non-existent Easter egg. Hmm, interesting. Interesting.
2: And Yeah, and then it makes you wonder, like, uh, yeah, are they comics? Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious about that and how they came to that. But, yeah, because I did the exact same thing. I, I Googled, oh, I wonder where this flight is. Huh, it's not in anywhere near New Mexico.
0: Yeah, it is right now a flight from Fort Myers, Florida to Chicago, Illinois, that runs, as far as I can tell, like twice a week. Make of that what you will. <laughs>
2: what, well, one thing that I really do – well, two things. First, let me just uh, – you know, techie, let me get the techie out of the way. Our techie right here is Blake Silver. This is his little um, kind of moment to shine here in the film as he's kind of having his little chat um, with Sitwell here. Blake Silver, if you look at his IMDb top four, it's Thor. Then he was a photographer in Kidding. He was a, the director of Boyfriend, and he was the writer for Unlocking Christmas. So he is somebody who's kind of like, you know, a little bit of you know, kind of his uh, dipping his toe into a lot of different things. But that's our techie here. Now, the thing that I find interesting is is we're looking at the southwest screen that they're they're looking at the flight information coming into this particular area that they have labeled on the state of New Mexico as the event zone. It is a rather large square that they have blocked out that um, I'm assuming this is the area we're in and this is where this event is happening. I, I it's so frustrating because, like, all that work that I did back on our one-shot about, you know, following the mileage to figure out where Puente Antiguo is, it – I mean, they're basically putting it on, you know, farther north in the state than it realistically should be. Because now it's either, like, up in Taos or it's over on the other side of uh, the hills from Santa Fe over, like, toward the Las Vegas, New Mexico – not Nevada, but New, Las Vegas, New Mexico area. And so I'm guessing – that that's where we are. It, it, Taos doesn't make sense because it's way too high up in the mountains. So now I've gone from thinking it's farther south, like Truth or Consequences, or Roswell, and now I'm like, well, maybe Puente Antigua is up by the Las Vegas area. So that's where I'm sitting now. Uh, it's it's hard to say because it's never really identified.
0: Hmm. Got it. So then, of course, we have this moment where the sensors have now picked up Thor. And I guess it's because they have like a proximity sensor on the fence itself. i don't know why they don't have it fifty feet out where Thor and Jane are just watching from the hills but
2: fair enough it it doesn't even look like there was a sensor it looked like it was like it looks like he literally sees on the camera of the fence uh, like the fence has been pulled up like you know in the script they actually it is like an infrared body that he sees down by the fence but in in the way that it's shot here it's like He's just noticing a, like a hole in the fence. It's just like, this is like some prison picture moment <laughs> here. It's, it's a very strange way that they decided to do this because it seems so low tech for shield.
0: Yeah, it, it it is interesting that that I feel like they should not quite know what they were doing with Shield Tech and things like that. Because as you said, like we're, we're only a couple movies away from them having Helicarriers, but now they seem um like they're not getting much of the government budget. Um, and and then they we have the line uh, Delancey, Jackson, check it out. And I guess these are two Shield agents. Uh, Agent Jackson is being played by Jamie McShane. Agent Delaney is played by Buddy Softsand. I think is the name the way you pronounce that. Um, they don't really get to do much on screen. Thor takes them out. Um.
2: <laughs> yeah, they get to do literally nothing other than get talked out.
0: <laughs> uh, but still, they're in the credits, so we're going to name them. Yep. What I like, though, here, and I'm curious if you get the same sense, is we've seen Thor do the I stand in front of you and I challenge you, Frost Giants, to a bold and mighty combat. Here he's doing some stealth stuff. You know, here... We're seeing that the barbarian character has some rogue skills as well. Um, and I just thought that was a nice touch of seeing, like, he doesn't have to just boldly stride in. He can sneak around a little bit.
2: It is nice to see Thor doing something other than just barging in, because that generally feels like his his modus operandi.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a little bit of a change for him. Nice to see he can do that.
2: Um, while we're here, though, with these two, I just wanted to say, Buddy Sauce Tand, or mm-hmm. however you said it, um, he's largely a stunt person. And uh, he's known for, on IMDb, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, uh, Dead Man's Chest, Baby Driver, Captain America Civil War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, uh, all stunt work. Okay. So, he's clearly a utility stunt player who's here just to do stuff like this. And then our other, uh, our other agent here, Jamie McShane, playing Agent Jackson, um, looks like, I, I don't know, um, Bloodline. Gone Girl, Argo, and Sons of Anarchy, all as an actor. So he seems to be more of the actor side mm, of
0: things. Okay. I'm a big Sons of Anarchy devotee, and I don't think I recognized him, but I don't think we actually saw his face, and they point on screen, so that was yeah, probably Very why.
2: briefly. Well, he he played Cameron Hayes in Sons of Anarchy, if that means oh, yeah, anything right. to you. I've, I've never seen the show, but that's it, who he it's was. It's
0: very good. Uh, very dark. So... Okay, so anyway, so we see, like, Thor takes some people down. He's sneaking around. Uh, Sitwell calls them. He's now by a new techie, uh, who we don't really know who he is. I guess he's just kind of moving around.
2: Unnamed background actor who's Mm -hmm. not in the credits, yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, And we get a kind of couple different shots of, I think we're just kind of, like, building up the tension here. You know, we're seeing Thor being sneaky. We're seeing all the atmospheric uh, interference. I I think he's really doing a great job of just building up to this clearly, like, big moment we're going to be having soon.
2: My big question is, why do they have barrels of what looks like they're labeled with, like, hazardous material? Like, what did they bring here in these 12 hours that requires barrels labeled hazardous?
1: Gotta be, like, stuff that they're trying to experiment with, right? To try and lift the hammer.
2: Maybe, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, maybe, like, well, let's pour acid
0: on it and see if that does anything, you know? Like, it's gotta be stuff like that. (laughs) I mean, we had that kind of Excalibur shot that it was like stuck in a stone. So yeah, maybe they want to melt the stone around it. Um, I, yeah, I still right. think it's possible that they just always take things that are there to scare people away from not coming <laughs> and being nosy, you know? Uh, just, you always have the big radiation thing and the hazardous material, but
2: who <laughs> right. knows? Very close encounters, right?
0: Uh, we see Thor kind of use their weapon as a club. I don't think he kind of understands guns, but he takes their rain slicker, which again, is just, he's showing like a, a level of situational awareness from Thor of, you know, that he certainly was not showing against the Yodens uh, in Jotunheim.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's putting on a disguise. I never would have thought Thor would do that. And so it is nice to see that these little touches are kind of thrown in there.
0: And then again, in the very high tech way of just someone else stumbling upon a down agent, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. figures out that we have a perimeter breach and then all these red lights start flashing. And that's pretty much where the minute ends. <laughs>
2: right Uh, yeah with all the i mean but i i I love the touch of all those like the red lights through the whole complex just these little blinking red lights Mm -hmm. it looks great i mean there are moments in this that actually um you know i you know considering it is kind of like this giant hamster uh cage that they're in right here it does have these moments that uh that look really nice yeah
0: well i think that's about the end of the minute um for either of you any other kind of last things you wanted to bring up or talk about
2: Uh, no i think that's it um you know i i always regret not being able to name the actors when we see them, but otherwise I think this is a it's a fun minute and we're getting into some uh, some juicy stuff.
1: Including, I assume, the
0: introduction of a particular character next week, right?
1: Oh, I should hope so.
0: Yeah. Yes. Who who is not not named or credited in the uh credits of this movie, wow. but will get be getting his own T V show fairly yeah. soon. Yeah.
2: That's cool. Uh, yeah. Might yeah might have been released by the time uh, we should coincide those episodes. To come yeah. out the show
0: <laughs> that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> all right, well, uh, Scott, just one more time for those folks who have been listening and enjoying your stuff. Where where can they find more of the kind of podcasting you do? Because you just seem to be all over the place. Uh, yeah, you can find everything I do
1: at uh, duelinggenre dot com. Um, and you can, you can follow me on, on Twitter. I'm just Scott Corelli every on everything on every social media. Um, but, uh, please check out my scripted narrative podcast that I write, uh, with, uh, my, my writing partners, Nick Jimenez and, and Cass Fredrickson, past guest of the show. Um, check out geek by Night. I I'm sure that Cass plugged it when They were on your show. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a scripted narrative podcast about comic book geeks who get superpowers and, uh, what happens from there. And it's a lot of fun. It's, um, it's, it's sort of like in the vein of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, is sort of the vibe that we're going only, uh, you know, we're not
0: bad people writing it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you, you mean you actually have a woman who's involved in writing women characters? Yeah, that, that's... yeah. Um,
1: so, uh, so yeah, so so check out uh, check out that show. It's a lot of fun to do, and we are writing the final episodes now, um, to be released in twenty twenty two. So we're really excited to uh, wrap the show up, bring it in for a landing. So now is the perfect time to catch up. I think there's. 35 episodes currently 35 or 36. I don't remember. Um, anyway, go check it
0: out. It's called geek by night. It's great. It, it has been so good having you here this week I have to say the um I used to think that I was pretty hardcore because I'm currently doing three podcasts a week and oh wow I have realized that there are just levels of podcasting that I have yet to achieve so um I do hope you find some time to sleep from time to time I, I, uh, but I don't <laughs> I, I
1: have a patreon so I have to make content for that as well so no I don't sleep there there you go well
0: I'm so glad you could find some time to be with us this was so much fun having you Andy as always thank you so much and to our fans you know you make this all possible thank you so much